and welcome to a special second episode of the Bring On United podcast of the week. Oh, we complained about it being warm the other day. Oh, it was nothing compared to this. It's, it's about 30 degrees. I'm, I'm melting as we speak. I'm sweating. Like, I'm sorry for if in the episode, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, I just start becoming sweatier and sweatier. I'm just, at the end, I'm, I might just be a pool. Uh, it's warm, isn't it? It's a warm one. Yeah, we're just not used to this heat. This no. is uh, a little bit ridiculous. Uh, I did complain a little bit in May that we didn't get to go to a big European final somewhere sunny, and I guess this is them rewarding me. They've said, no, you can stay at home because your football club is shit, but we'll give you some nice weather at least, so that's something. Yeah, and it's Friday at least. You know, It's not like it's a Thursday or a Wednesday. We can't enjoy this nice warm weather. I would definitely have a beer or fall later. Uh, so yeah, let's just get this out of the way. Um, the fixtures were announced yesterday. That's what this is going to be about. We're going to look at them, talk about the start, the finish line. When we're definitely lifting the Premier League on the 28th of May at home against Fulham. 100% that's going to happen, and we're not going to be just sad in a sixth place. Um, but we're also we're also going to talk a bit of news that we missed. Um, about half an hour after we finished the last podcast on was it Tuesday we did that. Uh, I think I think so. That, yeah, that rings Tuesday, a bell. Um, Chris, it, news broke by David Ornstein that Christian Eriksen had been offered a contract by us. And uh, we will talk about transfers in my episode, obviously. We forgot to talk about him. But uh, yeah, that, that broke just after, which was a bit annoying. So what's your first thoughts on that? Christian Eriksen obviously has uh, other options, apparently. Tottenham are very interested still. Um, but yeah. I think it'd be a fantastic option really I mean genuinely such a talented player you know obviously it was heartbreaking what happened to him at the Euros but it's so incredible that he's managed to make a recovery and he can play again and he's ended up sort of almost going to Brentford I think it was almost like a, a case of he sort of had to because I think because of the thing that he had fitted to, to sort of sort his heart problems he wasn't allowed to play in Italy anymore so he sort of took the first option he could to get into a country he could play football went to Brentford a move that really a player like Christian Eriksen doesn't need to go to Brentford, but he's gone there and done really, really well. And I think he'd be a fantastic player for United. I could see him being the sort of player you bring in with the intention of him being sort of a bit rotation. And within a few weeks, you're like, nah, this guy has to start because he's such a talented player. I think it'd be great. I've heard rumours that he wants to stay around the London area. I've also heard rumours that he wants Champions League football, which is obviously two things that we can't provide at the moment. Well, we could we can never be in London as much as as many fans as as <laughs> we can are in London, but we can't actually move the football club to London. Uh, maybe Champions League in a year, but you know we can't make any promises. So it could be a case that he wants to wait it out. I'm sure there's a big part of him that'd like to go back to Tottenham. I think after everything that's happened, he'd get a hero's welcome back, and you couldn't blame him. But if there's a way we could get this over the line. What a midfielder that'd be, you know. On, I mean, what is it? Would it be on a free? Uh, yeah, I think free his contract ran out. Yeah, I mean that's that's just incredible business, isn't it? You know, you don't turn down a player like that, a player who's probably worth, I mean, what upwards of thirty, forty million, even at his age, he's that good. I mean, yeah, I'd take him in a heartbeat. What about you? Oh, hundred um, percent. Obviously, we did try to sign him when you wanted to leave Spurs the first time. We didn't want to meet their valuation. Uh, the couldn't sell him in the summer, and then he went to Inter Milan in the winter I remember for like a cut price I think like 40 million in that summer for a guy with a year left of his contract 
six months ago they sold him for about 15 million um, but I do famously remember it not working out between him and Conte because uh, obviously Conte is the man who signed him for Inter and mm. he didn't fit into the system uh, Inter Milan were playing I don't think and I think no matter what happened obviously after the Euros I think he was always going to leave Inter Milan just because he wasn't getting the game time because uh, they play obviously the win backs they don't really have like a, a number 10 in a, a Conte team you have like your three midfielders your two your forwards and then your win backs getting high and he just did not fit into the system uh, so maybe that'll count for us in this that uh, he's played under Conte before and it just didn't work out um, he, he did say in a Dutch uh, sorry a Danish interview that um, Champions League football is something he'd like but it's not a deal breaker if the club he goes to doesn't and of course before he joined Brentford obviously with all his Danish connections there he was offered training by his old team uh, Ajax and of course he I think he took that up for a few weeks so trained under Eric Ten Hag so they, they both know each other from that time so yeah it's been interesting um, it's been you know it's, it's on the table you probably listen to what other clubs have to say but I think being the first club to probably submit that concrete offer I think that's got to say something I don't think we'd offer him a contract if we thought Nah, he sort of wants to go back to Tottenham. I don't think we'd want to get his fingers burned like that. It'd be a bit embarrassing, I guess, for a club. You know, we'd try and save face. But yeah, so maybe that's a positive thing right out what we've offered him a contract and it's something that could happen. And I'd be 100% behind it. He's such a brilliant client. He's just a nice human. He's, you know, I'm not saying he's one match replacement, but he's just a great... Like, he reminds me a lot of one match in the sense play, position, uh, just his general personality just seems a lovely, lovely bloke. I, w- I was going to ask you this question, actually, um, because the Ericsson that I remember watching the most of, obviously, an attacking midfielder, somebody who can hold the ball centrally but likes getting forward, got a great set piece on him, a great shot, great pass delivery. Where do you think he'd fit into the Manchester United team <clears throat> in the sense, like, would he take Bruno's position? I know that recently he's he's been able to play a little bit deeper. He's still he's not exactly going to come in as like a a centre mid in the sense of like a Fred or a McTominay, but could he fill in like a more of like a box to box? Or do you think he does come in as like Bruno's backup and he starts over Bruno if Bruno's rested or it's... in a bad run of form? Where where do you see him? playing what's his best position so obviously that number 10 role i don't see him as like you know because um you know he's, he's had a heart attack i don't think he's that sort of bullish sort of runs around a bit like bruno now that's what he used to be like i remember at Tottenham, he'd be chasing the ball he just sort of just sit back in the pocket a bit at brentford didn't you and just the passing i remember the game at old trafford watching it and um, the passing you know diagonal balls out to the wings he just had complete such control of the game he slows it down he brings it to his own pace and you know, he dictates the play now. I think he's a bit more like, he's a bit more football, he's got a bigger football brain now, I think, rather than using his attacking sense. You see, that's my question now, because I'm asking, like, I'm, I'm literally thinking on the spot now, I could be miles out, but like, let's say the, let's say Frankie Dion didn't come and you and we managed to buy a proper quality CDM. I'm not going to throw out names now because people oh, keep no, arguing, no, you know, yeah. like, you know, like, like you know, I don't Declan Rice, whatever. Some people don't like it, but a, a quality CDM. Could you get away with playing one quality CDM with a solid back four behind him, Ericsson next to him playing a little bit further forward with Bruno in that number ten spot? Like, is that something we could go for? Is that a little bit too attacking with Ericsson and Bruno? Like, I'd love to know like what that sort of dynamic because to me that just screams having two players in your midfield who are capable of getting an assist out of absolutely nothing. 
that's got to be a good thing, right? What, what oh, do you think? Two, oh, two, two attacking? No, or? no, I, I, I could honestly see it. That's what, and that's hundred percent. But I guess people have been going. You know, I listen to uh, what David Ornstein said. I've listened to what Adam Craft and uh, Laurie Whitwell, if I like to say, all work for the Athletic. Uh, it doesn't seem to be Frankie Dion or Christian Eriksen. It seems like they both come in. But yeah, uh, if both came in, I definitely see Eriksen starting as that bench player. You know, we, we were just talking before about the Europa League, uh, how congested it is before the World Cup. Um, but Christian Eriksen, he's got to think about Denmark. Going, you know, he's, he's got to play games to get into the rhythm for Denmark's World Cup campaign. So he, he wants to play games. So it'll be an interesting one. I can definitely see him being... If Bruno's out of form or resting Bruno, especially the other Europe League games, I don't really expect to see Bruno, Ronaldo. Uh, I, I, I could there. see in that case. But, yeah, I mean, it, sorry, um, but in a game you're against Brentford, against Brighton, first day of the season, we might start out with a, a, you know, a Fred, a Dion, whatever, but he'd be a guy you bring on like for, uh, 30 minutes to go. To, alongside Bruno to try and unlock defences and stuff I think it's a great option to have in that sense because there are times where we struggle to break down a, a Burnley or a Brighton um, yeah yeah go um, on well no no I, I was just going to go in because I, I liked your point about the Europa League um, you know and obviously we will see different players come in I, I, I presume I, I mean you'll remember obviously like 2017 when we won it Henrik Mkhitaryan was very much a player for us in that Europa League run who sort of struggled to get into the league side. He, he eventually got over with Mourinho, but it took a long time. He, he wasn't playing. No. I'd be fascinated to see his stats from that season, but I don't think he really started many games in the league at all. But when you go back and watch our Europa League run, he was one of our most important players. He scored some massive goals. He carried us, you know, through a lot of that Europa League. <sighs> you could almost see Eriksen being that player. You know, you, you put him in, an, in a Europa League group with teams who, no disrespect, are fairly average, he tears them to pieces. Oh, I mean, we're talking about a player who, after everything that's happened and ending up at Brentford, is, in my opinion, criminally underrated. He's genuinely quality. He, he He's well above the Europa League. He'd tear them to shreds. I'd love to see it. I'd love oh, to. On a free as well, I just it's a, lose, it's, it's a win-win situation. I mean, if it doesn't work out after a year, you know, if it's a two-year deal, you've, you can sell him for... 10, 15 million. You know, Manchester United never seem to do that. But there's the option there. But if it works out, which I'd expect it to do because he's such a good player, you're laughing. You've got a quality player on a free transfer. Oh, absolutely. Moving on to a midfielder who's leaving a free for a second time to Juventus once again. Um, things being made about that, you know, Manchester United's big bad business. It is, it is what it is, I think. But it is terrible business. He has a documentary out today. Uh, Friday the 17th, he's expected to announce his return to Italy uh, today as well. Uh, but some quotes came out um, about him and obviously the recently passed uh, Mino Raiola um, talking about the contract offer from Manchester United. And he claims it's nothing. I've never seen, he, he says oh, something along the lines, I've never seen a club do nothing for a player they want to keep. He described the £300,000 a week contract he was offered. There's nothing. And he wants to prove Manchester United wrong for waiting too long to offer him a contract. We offered this contract between three hundred and four hundred thousand pounds a week, depending on who you speak to and listen to, um, all the way back last summer, uh, before we signed Ronaldo, before we even signed Varane. It was like right at the beginning of the Euros we offered that contract. So it's been over a year, it's been on the table waiting. 
we won't go pay him more. Uh, it just it doesn't make sense to me how he described that as nothing. I don't know if it's taken out of context, but when you look at it, it seems so disingenuous. Like we, are, I'm not going to all poor us for fans you know, who pay all this hard money, but there's people out here who don't earn three hundred grand in ten years, and he's saying it's nothing for half that in a, in a week. I mean, this is this is what it comes down to for me when he says that they were offered nothing. Uh, last season, in my opinion, last season, the COVID year, was actually the best Paul Pogba we've had at United. I know a lot of people say his first season. I thought Pogba, when he was fit, was quality in, in the COVID. When we got to the top of the league, he put in some fantastic performances. There was that game at Fulham where he scored an absolute yeah. worldie when we needed it to stay at the top then. We were like... Everyone was expecting us to fall and we managed to keep it going a little bit longer until Pogba got injured and that was the moment where it sort of derailed. I thought he was great. But we had a massive game against Leipzig, last game of the Champions League group. And the night before, Mina Raiola came out and said, Paul Pogba wants to leave Manchester United. Mm. How can you turn around and say the club have offered you nothing? Manchester United as a football club have been built thanks to Sir Alex Ferguson mainly. It was, you know, it was his ideologies upon like the, this idea that we only want players who play who want to play for Manchester United this isn't a club you come to as a stepping stone that's why Angel Di Maria is hated so much Manchester United should be the ultimate destination for most footballers in our opinion as, as fans and you know we like to think we've had so many players over the years who've respected that we've also had players who over the years have been very respectful and said it's not and then left like Ronaldo did he was honest he gave us an extra year he left that's fine you know when you come out and say it's time to go, you can't then turn around and complain that you weren't offered anything. Like, what do you expect? Does to suddenly get out £500,000 a week for a player who's openly said he doesn't want to be here? Because that, to me, just says the only way you're going to sign a contract is if you're given a whole load of money. You don't care about this football club. You don't care about turning you know, your relationship with the fans around, picking up your form, paying back the amount of money we spent on you. It's just not right. It's just not right. Like, I, I just, I, I don't, I, I don't see it. I don't see how you can complain about being offered nothing. It's, it's a dangerous game. It's a dangerous path to go around on here. You know, sort of slating Paul Pogba. Uh, you know, similar players like Martial, even Bruno. Like, you know, there are some players who just have a cult following. You know, the United fans and Pogba's probably got it more than anyone. But oh, yeah. yeah, I think overall it's a very good thing for us to let him get as far away from this football club as possible I don't think it's been a good relationship yeah I, I always it's good, it'll be interesting I think you know this time next year you know the 17th of June 2023 what what we'll be feeling will we even remember Paul Pogba will we ever think about him you know it's, it's it'll be interesting to see how this next year goes for Manchester United and for Paul Pogba at Juventus and for France at the World Cup it'll be very interesting to see um, but yeah, again, he, he he had pops at Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho wasn't happy about him going out to America a lot for you know, if he was injured. He of staying around Carrington and uh, the training complex. You're know, receiving care from Manchester United uh, medical staff who pay all this mo- who Manchester United pay all this money for. You know, like top dollar for the top medical professionals. He'd go out and spend time in Miami, LA, and you know there'd be pictures of him partying, playing basketball when he's got a a knee injury or a, a hamstring injury he'd always be out in America and I think Jose Mourinho didn't take too kindly to that and uh, was very unhappy and that's that, what's, that's basically what apparently led to their falling out and he calls Mourinho out in this documentary and 
people are starting to realise we were probably a bit wrong on Mourinho at that point. He probably still should have gone. It did turn the dressing room toxic. But as I've said on this podcast before, I, I, I believe we truly died as a club. There was still hope. But when Ed Woodward sided with the players instead of Jose Mourinho, that's when the players knew, well, we can just get away with anything. And it happened to Oli. I mean, it might happen to... I mean, partly happened to Ralph. And it could even happen to Eric Ten Hag because the players know they've got away with stuff before. And I truly think that's when our football club was like hit rock, bo- bo- rock bottom when Paul Pogba won the battle against Jose. I think it was a massive turning point because at that point, I think that's where the fan base also split as well because there was so much negativity. Because both men, in, in all honesty, have very unlikable sides to them. But yeah, when, when you say we look back and we got it wrong, I think it was right for Mourinho to go. But I think maybe where we got it wrong was that we didn't respect him and that the players didn't respect him. You know, you look at Jose Mourinho, one of the most prestigious managers Ever. He's now gone on and won another European trophy. Yes, it's the, the Conference League, but he's still gone and won it. You know, when everybody wrote him off and said he was finished. I, I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess at the time, I mean, I remember being very anti Mourinho at the time, but I look back and I was, what, a, a little kid. Like, you know, I think I just didn't understand it. And I look at it now, having had probably a decade of watching football, probably more than that now. And I'm like, no, you've just got to listen to the manager. You know, you had to stick with him there. This is what we've been saying about Ten Hag. It's not about the players we sign and the players we keep. It's about the players that Ten Hag wants, you know. And and yeah, ultimately, I think we probably did pick wrong. But at the same time, we probably should have just got rid of both of them at, at you know, a similar time. I think we shouldn't have just imagined that if Pogba would go out of his way to get rid of Mourinho like that and to turn everyone on him, that suddenly Pogba would turn up and be all smiles. We should have known that it was something that, you know, it was a toxic relationship and that it wasn't just going to be fixed by getting a new manager in. I don't know. Hindsight's a a wonderful thing. But yeah, looking at it now, I'm happy that it's taken us a hell of a long time, but they're both gone. Oh yeah, 100%. Right. Well, as we said at the top of the show, the fixtures were released uh, today. Oh, yesterday, sorry. And we're just going to talk briefly on some of them. Obviously, it's a very weird season this year. We're going to take six weeks off uh, in November for a World Cup. That's happening in Qatar, which shouldn't be happening. That's another time. And we come back for Boxing Day and the season's just cramped in. It's, it's going to be a mess. It's going to be weird. But yeah, let's start off with, of course, our opening game. We said we wanted to be at home, I think, on the last podcast. Uh, we mm. like a good home game. And we just wanted... You know, a fairly easy thing. Brighton at home is our first home game. Of course, we were absolutely spanked, embarrassed, humiliated. Just every negative word ever when we last played Brighton at the Amex. We lost 4-0. But I think that's like, it is a good home game to have on the first day of the season for Eric Ten Hag. You know, I always feel at home, we're a, bit, we're a lot stronger. I don't think we've ever lost to Brighton at home uh, since they've come up. It's always been away we've had our troubles. So yeah, I... I I'm happy with that one. I can't wait. It'll be a nice sunny day, hopefully. What, the 7th of August? Sunday, 2 o'clock kick-off. Can't wait to be there. Me too. I mean, I was personally happy because I normally don't work on Sundays, so I was buzzing with that because I wanted to be able to go to his first game. Um, I think it's perfect. I, I can't remember if it was me or you who said it, but I think whoever said it, the other person agreed. You want a home game the first game. You don't want a top six club, and you don't really want a team that's just come up. 
So I think we probably got the perfect team. As you said, we got smashed at Brighton, but we've sort of got to put that behind us now. We're playing against a team. Graham Potter will not go into this season expecting to be relegated. He also won't go in expecting European football. He'll be expecting a steady ride, sort of maybe 45 to 50 points, something like that. He won't have that drive that some teams will have on that first day to start off hot. He'll want to win, obviously. Everybody does. But I just don't think... You know, if we played like a Nottingham Forest or somebody or like Brentford last season when they played Arsenal, some of those teams, they've just got it. They just know this is where we start. We start with a big three points. We get a massive win. And Brighton just don't really have to do that. You know, they'll go to Old Trafford, put in a bit of a shift, but ultimately it's not the end of the world if they lose. So I think it's a, I think it's a good first game for us. And it is that whole like confidence builder, you know, to go from a team that we just lost 4-0 to, you know, to to beating them on the first day of the season. It would be something that if Ten Hag wanted to, he could turn around and say, look, in a very short amount of time, we fix something. You know, we're making progress. It's a good start. So I think it's a good first game. And yeah, I'm with you. I cannot wait. I hope this sun sticks around for it because I'm thinking beers. I'm thinking the football's back. I'm thinking Viva Ronaldo. I'm thinking Frankie De Jong. I'm excited. Uh, we do play, what, three, four, five times in August. We play... Then Brentford away, Liverpool at home, which that will come to that in a second. But then Southampton and Leicester in a three-day period. That's quite a lot of games for August. This is what I mean. Like Some months you have like five, six games, and then another month you'll have two or three. It's a very weird season. So Yeah, it's, it's just mismatch. So let's talk about that Liverpool one. Third game of the season at home at Old Trafford. Oh, God. It's a bit early, isn't it? Uh, okay. So it wouldn't be one of our podcasts if I didn't say something that was a little bit out there. Um, I saw this fixture and I just smiled and I thought, that's good. And I'll say, I'll say why I think it's good. I don't think you want that first game of the season because otherwise you just you, you run the risk of getting absolutely smashed and you know there's nothing you can do about it. It's a world-class team, one of the best teams in the world. It's not the start you really want. But we'll have had two games by then. Will we have? Is it three or two? Do we have? Is it? It's the third game, two. isn't it? We'll yeah, have, yeah, yeah. So we play, we'll, we'll have two games by then. Yeah, two games that are winnable. We go into that game on six points. Second game at Old Trafford. The fans are still obviously in a good mood. They'll be in a great mood if we got six points. And it is one of those games where you go, is it early enough in the season where anything could happen? And the example that I'd come to would be last season, Tottenham against City opening game. Nuno beat City first game of the season. Two months later, Nuno's getting sacked because he's rubbish and City are flying up the league and go and win the league again. You know, smash it, 90 plus points. You know, it's one of those. Early in the season, stuff can happen that isn't necessarily going to cause a pattern throughout the season. I don't think we're going to finish above Liverpool. I'm not going to come out and say something that stupid. But maybe... Maybe if maybe if the fans get behind it, maybe if we got momentum, we can do something. But on the other hand, it is one of those. At least by that point, we'll be a couple of games in, and, and if we do lose, as long as we don't get smashed, it's out of the way. Then it's out. You know, out of all our home games, it's either the worst or the second worst. Whoever you think's worse, them or City. I, I don't mind it. I, I think it's quite good, and I just think it's that possibility to get a win over them or a positive result that could be. That could be the that could be the one where we turn around and go, we're on to something here. It's very wishful thinking, but you know, you've got to believe, haven't you? We do. 
Um, I won't bore you with them all, of course. After that, we do have Arsenal, Leeds and City all in a row. So we've got a few tough games. October is a very pat jam month. So we have three... During October, we will have three Europa League games. Um, we also play City, Everton, Newcastle, Tottenham, Chelsea, West Ham. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, plus two Europa League games. So in October, we have eight games. God, that's, that's, that's what I mean. Tell you what. Matt's, if if the trams squad. break down in Manchester in October, I'm buggered. <laughs> we might, uh, might have to go back and forth from Old Trafford. That Altrincham line. I know, that's going to be relentless. <laughs> um, to round up before the World Cup, I think this is interesting. We, we have Aston Villa away and Fulham away. So just going into that break, easing the players, I guess. I think we talked about this last time. Apparently, Gareth Southgate didn't really want any of the big teams playing against each other. So his players are all fit. So... Two nice easy games going in for our players for a World Cup. I say easy, I mean, it's not sitting Liverpool. Hey, um, we say that about Gareth Southgate. Gareth Southgate only picked one United player for the England squad. Uh, I hope he looks at this and goes, do you know what? They've got a little easy run in there. I'd better give Sancho, Shaw and Rashford another chance. Uh, but most importantly, when we come back from the World Cup and England are World Cup champions, obviously, which will happen, 100%. Um, Boxing Day, Nottingham Forest at home. Oh. See, I don't oh, mind that. No. I mean, at that time, we will know what sort of team Nottingham Forest are. I don't think we'll be very good. Um, no, no, I think that's good. I, I think I think we said at the end of the last podcast, I, I think this has the potential to be one hell of a week. Christmas, England win the World Cup, United put five past Nottingham Forest. I can see it now. Course, I, I, I'm already happy thinking about it. They have stripped away the Christmas schedule, so we only play Boxing Day and New Year's Eve, where we're at Wolves away. God, I wouldn't want to be celebrating New Year's Eve in Wolverhampton. Ugh. Of course, yeah, um, in, come January. <laughs> come ja- so I, I think that's a nice way to you know, players coming back from the World Cup, Nottingham Forest and Wolves. It's your know, gang. You don't really want to. Be, Going straight into a Liverpool game, you are having having what eight weeks apart. It'll probably be by the time we're back, sort of thing. Seven weeks. Mm. Um, January we have City and Arsenal again. February is quite a nice month actually. Um, this way you can sort of build some momentum. Palace at home, Leeds away, Leicester home, Brentford home. I think that's the nicest month of the entire calendar year because, as we were saying before as well, if we could top our Europa League group. We don't have to play Europa League till March, so that February, four games, nice, nice, nice games actually. Free, free home, nice, wouldn't it? Free home and the only away games Leeds, so fiery month. And then yeah, we take that. Yeah, and the running in May, we have West Ham away, Wolves home, Bournemouth away, Fulham home, Bournemouth and Fulham. I mean, if we're in contention for stuff, if if it's top four, if it's the Premier League. Um, let's hope it's just top four. Uh, but they could also, when you, they might be nice fixtures now, but they could be fighting for their lives. Especially that Bournemouth away one, that could be a, like one of those nasty ones. We never do very well down down on the south coast. Um, always seem to lose to a Josh King girl in like the 90th minute. So that might be tricky. I, I'm, I'm not too worried about Fulham at home, even if they're fighting for their lives on the last day of the season. At home, you should be at a brush for, or a five past them. If we're playing well, so yeah, I, I just think it's a you know 
a nice end to a season, I guess. You know, it's always a, about how you start, but the end can also be quite important. You like that running to pick up points and momentum. But it's, it's the same thing. Everyone plays each other twice, so it all levels out in the end. It doesn't really matter about runnings. But I guess the confidence, I always feel it is, yeah, but you don't want to be playing City like we did this season. City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, all in a row and getting battling each one, having your confidence on the floor when you go and play Brighton and get battled 4-0 again. No, absolutely. Mate, I, I think you made a mistake with some of the May fixtures, by the way. I think you missed two. Uh, I'm pretty sure sandwiched in there we've got an FA Cup final and then right at the end we've got a Europa League final. Oh, yeah, I don't says, know if it just wasn't no, on your yeah, list. It said, I've got it here, 31st of May, Budapest. See you there. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I just thought you might have forgotten it, but yeah, obviously no. United are going to win the, um, the, the the semi-quadruple, if you will. We can't yeah. win the Champions League, but we'll win everything else. Sorry, we, I think we might, um, have, we, we might even have a fifth game in February, then. It's called the League Cup final. Oh, we will have a fifth game in yeah. February, the League Cup final. That's going to be the first trophy we win in five years. It's going to be a great day. I can't wait for it. Um, so, yeah, stop saying that February is a, a small month. It's going to be a massive one. Um, massive no, I, I agree with you, though. It's, it's, it's a nice little one. Uh, genuinely, if uh, what? Uh, how many podcasts have we done? About 10. I think if I actually went back and listened to them now, there's probably at least 10 things across all of them where I've made myself look stupid already. Uh, there must have been. Um but no, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's a it's a decent looking fixture list. I mean, you'd hope Fulham on the last day. Surely Fulham are relegated. I mean, I'm hoping they just come up and take Norwich's spot of you know guaranteed bottom yeah. of the table. Um, but no, Bournemouth. Bournemouth gave me flashbacks. You said Josh King. Do you remember a few years ago when Stanislas scored straight from a corner? Oh, the the wind that popped yeah. straight into my head. Yeah, I was like, nah, I don't really like going to Bournemouth because they've got like a. They've not really got a great atmosphere and you can't really take many of your fans to go and like make no. it much better. I, I don't know. I don't, and it's one of those weird ones where it's really far away. So I believe they'll have it at 12.30 kickoff so people can get back home in time but don't think how people go get down there. Or if they have it at like mm. 5pm it'll allow people to travel there but then there's, the last train home's like 10 minutes before the game ends so you, you're fucked either way really. Yeah, I, I. Do you know what? When we were talking about like the World Cup and stuff, I've just thought of this now. This is you know going a little bit off the cuff, breaking the podcast routine. But I was having a bit of a debate with my mate in the pub the other day. I'm interested to hear your opinion on this and everybody else's opinion if they want to get involved. Obviously, me and you both said we're we're big England fans. Bearing in mind it's coming in the middle of the season now, like I'm one of those people who hates it when United players don't get called up internationally because I just think that means they're doing something wrong. Like I hate the fact that De Gea is not Spain's number one. I hate the fact that Maguire is the only United England player. If we got to the World Cup this year and United players didn't get picked, would you be happy because it meant that they were rested for club football or would you be annoyed because, like, like me, you want to see them doing well on the international stage? I'm interested. Like, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I'd be a bit annoyed because if they're not getting called up, it might be an indication we're also still being a bit that, shit. That is true. That is um, also very true. So, it, obviously, given context, you know, fair enough. If we're second league or whatever, third in the league, you're doing okay. And uh, Jaden Sancho, for example, who should be getting called up for England. I mean, when you watch people like Jared Bowing and. I mean, even Bakayo Saka, I love them two guys, but they are not World, uh, World Cup level quality, I don't think. Not yet anyway for Saka. I don't know if Jared Boyd no. will ever be. Um, 
But given context, you know, if we're doing okay and we've got Sancho doing well, uh, Luke Shaw's back to his old best, even Marcus Rashford, I could see him get, doing stuff this season. Oh, I'd be, I'm, I'd be annoyed, yeah, because um, if you're, because Gareth Southgate's got that thing where he'll pick some players because of their name, no matter what their, uh, you know, Harry Maguire, for example, um, he still probably is England. Him and John Stones are England's best partnership, so he has to be called up because I mean, we saw the other day. The other centre backs we have just don't cut it in a national level. But Harry Maguire is always steady and solid for England. So it's it's that fine balance. I would be annoyed though, yeah, if, if we don't have more than one if we only have one Harry Maguire on the World Cup, uh, got the World Cup. I'd, I'd ask you this as well then, even like apart from England. I'm trying to think of examples in my head oh. of players who like their spot could be in contention for other nationalities. I can't think of anyone, so I'll throw this name yeah. out there. Bruno Fernandes. Let's say Bruno didn't go for Portugal. Would you be annoyed? Would you be like, get in there, get him safe? Yeah. Like, you know what? Petty annoyed, yeah, because I mean, that just add fuel to that. You're like the fire of the attack Bruno comes under a lot from the yeah. Manchester United fans, and he'd just be like pouring the, the it all on the flames. And boom, it's all blown up. Oh, yeah. Because I don't like, I mean, I hate it when rival fans have a pop at our place, but no, like, it's so. It, it, nothing boils me up more than when our own fans uh, are having pops at our own players. Like, just sh- mate, he's been his fucking best player for like two years. Just fucking support him. Oh, it's I like, agree. I mean, we had this conversation the other day. Like, when people say oh, I'm a long-suffering man, you're like, well, if it's that hard for you, mate, fuck off. You know, <laughs> if you don't want to support us, it's like these people who are like Paul Podbroom that fuck off to Juventus saying Dean Henderson fans. I don't know why people are fat. Like, I like De Gea. But, I mean, I won't ever just go around to party with a goalkeeper. Fuck off to Nottingham Forest where he goes there. You might, you'll, you'll know how hard and oh suffering God. it is to be a Nottingham Forest fan because they'll probably be I've, in the relegation zone. I've just realised. I completely agree on that. I've just re- I, I noticed something else that I wanted to... I'm thinking of all these things now that I was like, I've got to mention this on the oh, next podcast. We, so short went, so far. We're only at 30 minutes. Keep awesome. Going. So, I was in the cinema yesterday. Me and Mum went to watch that new Jurassic World film. And I came out and I've seen this Romano stuff about Dean Henderson and Nottingham Forest. And this is a question I've got because I'm going to come out and completely out myself here as a fake championship fan. I pop in for the playoffs, maybe a massive game here or there. I'll watch the championship teams in like the cup. I don't really watch the championship. But I have heard very good things of this Samba guy who's the Forest keeper. And when I saw him in the playoffs, he was he was awesome. If Dean Henderson goes to Nottingham Forest, is he starting? Like, yeah. genuinely, uh, the, like, does he? Uh, uh, Samba's rejecting a contract offer and wants to go back to is France. He, is he definitely going? He, he, he wants to go back to France, I think, uh, Lens. Okay, I that think makes it was. sense. Yeah, but at first I thought, wait, does he just want to, like, he's rejected a contract because of money or something. Um, but yeah, apparently he wants to go back to France. Um, but it's a bit weird, but he's got, he, he was literally the reason they got to the Premier League. So I was like, yeah, I'm off now. <laughs> Cheers, lads. Because that's the thing. I was like, I was excited to see him in the Prem because I was like, yeah. he's actually quite a good goalkeeper. But, um, no, that makes sense yeah. then. But, I mean, but what so, I will say, what I will say with Dean Henderson, I'm probably going to upset quite a few people here. If he were that good, why why are only not in the forest after him? Why aren't Leicester? Yeah. Caspis Michael, but he, apparently they don't want him anymore. Why are, why aren't these better teams in for him? Palace, Newcastle. I mean, they were scared off by the price apparently, but yeah. I mean, once again, we're getting mugged off with we're paying all these wages, and then we might sign for twenty million next summer. Um, 
So this, this is the question I'd ask then. Let's say hypothetically he goes to Nottingham Forest and has a fantastic season and keeps him and you know keeps them up, which is you know essentially what he did at Sheffield United. Is there any world, no matter how well he does, where Henderson comes back next season as Manchester United's number one, or has that ship just sailed? If David De Gea has a season like he did un, uh, two seasons ago now, uh, Ollie's last full season, yes. But if David De Gea has a, a season like he had last season, absolutely not. No, I, I just don't think it is. Do we think there's like, is there even like, like if De Gea had a bad season, would we buy a new keeper? Like, is there that chance? Oh. Has Henderson's chance? I, I, I don't know. Like, I just, I'm just interested because I love the idea of Henderson being our number one, not because I think he's a better keeper than De Gea, but as in the fact that he's a young United fan, academy, English. I love the idea of him being our number one. I don't know though. Like you know, no, if the uh, ship sailed, what probably. is the point in just loaning him out all the time? I'd say probably, like, yeah. Yeah, um, I, don't I think know. I, I actually I didn't even think I think we probably would go out and buy a new keeper. Yeah. Um, yeah, we probably would. Uh, in in which case, sure I mean, what Henderson's time is probably up. We might as well try and get him on like a loan to buy sort of deal, and maybe. Yeah, but apparently there's an option of twenty million, which seems quite cheap if he's got four years left of a contract. Yeah, um, should be thirty or forty, really, for an English. But uh, like, if Aaron Ramsdale went for what thirty, thirty-five. Dean Henson's yeah, same, same price at least. Yeah. yeah, no, no, that's fair. I mean, especially what well, I don't know after Ramsdale's performance against Hungary. <laughs> I don't know if I'd pay five million for him. No, I mean John Pickford. Although Definitely. obviously. Obviously, it wasn't Ramsdale's fault. It oh, was yeah. Harry Maguire's fault. Oh, because course. Harry Maguire came on for the last five minutes and they still conceded a goal. Oh, no. So especially it was that, all his fault. Especially the first goal. The first goal was 100% Harry Maguire. He was sat there on the bench. Why weren't he defending? I know. I know. Come on, make a run. Harry, you're playing them all on side. It's awful. Sat, sat on the bench. Sort it out. Doing all fucking disgusting Maguire. Not my captain. <laughs> oh, it, I mean, I don't even know how he got blown for that fourth one. I mean, you can tell these fucking... I, I call these little kids Timmies. We're all Timmies to me. Uh, little Timmies going, oh, why why is he charged out there? Well, because he's one-on-one without 10 men. You don't have a centre-back partner. Um, the full-back, was it Kyle Walker, should be able to keep track of him. But no, he, he, got, he didn't get goal side. And the guy ran around him. It was just... Anything Harry Maguire does, oh, Harry Maguire's but been we're on also there. Like, we've all seen the clip that they've used from that certain replay angle. If Harry Maguire goes to the man with the ball, he just leaves the other man literally there for an open goal. He couldn't go to the ball. Like, it would have been an easier goal for them if he went to the ball because the guy would have just ran past him because he was quicker and passed it off to his mate who now wasn't being marked by Maguire and it's an open goal. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It gets to a point. Don't don't get me wrong. I've watched way too much Harry Maguire last year, and I am a bit sick after those performances. But it does just get to a point where you're like, can we stop reaching? Just just yeah. for a little bit. That's not, it's a bit it, much now. It almost just proves like the actual bad stuff he does as well, because everything he does apparently is bad. But there is actual like good stuff he does, but there are genuine bad stuff he does. So it's like stop targeting for everything and call them out on the actual bad stuff and people might start believing you about the actual bad stuff rather than just any little thing he does. 100%. Well, that's what's happened with Pogba FC now, isn't it? Because it's like people wouldn't be so quick to 
try and defend Paul Pogba if it weren't for the fact that he got way too overly criticised. Yes, he deserved criticism, but like the way people went for him at first was relentless. And then this has just caused this whole scenario now where you either have to love Paul Pogba or hate him. You can't just be like, eh, I don't know, he's not really for me, but he's wearing the United shirt, so I'm going to support him. Oh, uh, no, you yeah, can't no, be neutral anymore. That's that's just not even just in football, I don't think. I think that's just in everyday life. You've got to be one thing or another. You can't have like a middle ground where you're like, mm. well, yeah, you're right, but there's also parts of it that I don't agree with. You, you've got to be either red or blue. You know, it's, it's yes or no, hate or love. There's just you no know, like middle ground anymore in anything. It's because of like Twitter. It's because of fanboys you know if you're like classic stars like if you're not with me you're against me sort of thing um instead just that's brutal you know it's it's just foot especially football twitter you know we well i've never really like took part in it but you know obviously having a podcast account there are a few people who just come like i don't follow you just somehow find a tweet and then they start giving you it very strange I know, it's quite funny it is. It is I do quite laugh. funny. I have a beer in my hand. I, I might just do it tonight. Tweet something stupid. Reel me. Enjoy myself in the sun. The thing is, is it's like I. You look at like people like Mark Groldbridge, and you're like, I see what you've done. I don't necessarily agree with him as like a a media person. I don't think he does good stuff for United. I think he brings a lot of negative energy. But he's hit the jackpot because he's like, all he's got to do is say something that could be viewed as controversial and it's bang, you've got 100,000 views. It's like people swallow bait so easily nowadays. It's mental. Oh, 100%. I think that's where we'll leave it for today then because I don't want to get more depressed talking about what United aren't doing. You said what they are doing because they're not doing much other. Um, hopefully by this time next week, We'll have a new podcast episode out, and it'll be happy days because Manchester United have signed a player. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, well, at least the Fabrizio Romano. Here we go. Just oh, something. Yeah. Please. Well, please. I'm gonna go and have a beer now. It's half one. Get myself in the sun. Get my sunglasses wherever they were, they were here. I've lost them. Brilliant. Here we are. We will see you both. Uh, both we we will both see you all <laughs> next week. I'm, I'm having two beers already. Yeah, I'm having two beers. <laughs> I promise. Bye bye.